you have a Bible, take it and turn to the book of Luke, chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. We'll be looking at just a fairly small section this morning, Luke 5, verses 12 through 16, but one that for me has been very powerful this week to meditate on and to think on. Luke chapter 5, and in a moment we'll read from verse 12. But let me begin just with kind of a illustration. If you can imagine, um, we we have a we rent our house. We do not own our house. There's a, a large tree in the back, and I think it's dying. Um, <laughs> there's some large branches that make me a little nervous, and whenever a windstorm comes through, I expect that something is going to fall out of that tree. Um, but if I own that house, I think that I might take some initiative and get rid of it. Um, and, you know, that's expensive to do. So let's just imagine that, that I decided I'm going to do it myself, um, and I want some help. And I stand up here and I say, I'm looking for some people that are able and willing to come and help me cut a tree down. Now, there may be some of you that are able. You own a chainsaw. Maybe you've cut a tree down before, but you are not willing. Uh, you would not come and risk your neck to chop down a tree in my backyard. There's others of you that are, you know, you like an adventure. And so you say, I'm willing. I just am not able. I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't own a chainsaw. I don't understand what to do. But so if you're in one of those categories, then you can't help. So what we're looking for are people that are able and willing. If you're just able and not willing, well, you're no help to me. And if you're just willing but not able, that doesn't matter either. We need people that are able and willing. I, I thought about those terms here as, I, as I've looked at Luke chapter 5 and verse 12. As this leper comes to Jesus and he seeks to be made clean, it's this moving scene of a man falling at the feet of Jesus. And as we'll see, it's this picture of how we come to Christ to be cleansed from our sin. And we come to Christ with the same confidence that this guy came with. And this is what he learned. He learned that Jesus is able and willing to make us clean. He's both. He's not just able He's not just willing, he is able and willing to make us clean. He's of no use to us if he's just able, but he's unwilling. And he's of no use to us if he's willing, but he's unable. But Jesus is able and willing to make us clean. As I think about that, I think about maybe how you've come to church today. Maybe you've come and you doubt the power or the ability of God. He is not able, is maybe what your heart says. He's not able to do certain things. Maybe throughout your life you've thought this, or maybe just this past week it's been hard to believe that. I want to encourage you to have confidence in the power of God as we look at this. Or maybe you feel that whoever God is, he's, he's just not willing. He has no desire. It's not his pleasure to cleanse you. Or maybe it's not his pleasure to do what you've asked him uh, to do. I pray that this morning God would make it clear that he is willing, that he is both able and willing to make us clean. Look with me at Luke chapter 5, verse 12 through 16. Luke writes, When he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but 
Go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. But now even more the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. We're going to take this in reverse um, and just look first here at these verses 15 and and 16. There's there's two things that we've seen a lot in Luke, and I just want to point these out to you, and then we'll get kind of to the heart of what I believe God would have us to look at this morning. The, the first thing is is the spread of Jesus' message. Uh, we've seen this, haven't we? Jesus' message is, is slowly spreading, and, and, and even as uh, he seeks to keep the lid on things to a certain extent, the news about him continues to, to spread. Everyone is, is pressing in to hear him, to be healed by him. The crowd continues to get larger. We looked at one, uh, I think a couple weeks ago now, at the, this messianic secret that he's trying, in a sense, to keep things down. He doesn't want everyone to know exactly what's going on because he needs three years probably in his mind. I need time to do this. And if everything explodes, then there's no time for this. Everything's going to fall apart too quickly. So this is that he's putting, a, you know, squelching things to a certain extent. But the message is, is still spreading. And at this point, it's all positive, isn't it? I mean, everyone's loving Jesus, what he says, what he does. And it's actually not until next week, next week we'll start to see some of this opposition arise that, some of the people that hear him speak and hear him talk are not really excited about what he's saying and doing. So we see the spread of Jesus' message, which we've seen, and we also see the source of Jesus' strength. We saw this back in chapter 4. Do you remember this? Chapter 4, verse 42. When it was day, he departed Capernaum and went into a desolate place. He went into a desolate place to spend time with his father. And here it says that he, he withdrew to a desolate place and prayed. Jesus spent time alone with his father. And he wasn't always doing ministry, but there were times where he needed to pull away. And I think the pattern that we see is that he did that every day. He did that consistently, constantly. He spent time removed from the pressures of ministry, removed from other people to be alone with his father. Uh, and I know we talked about this, but I can't help but ask, is this, is this our practice? Do we remove to desolate places? Now, I'm not saying you have to go find a desert somewhere. It might be hard to do that here in Louisville. But do you find a place to, to unplug, I think is the word that we could use in our society, isn't it? To unplug from, from the Internet, to unplug from your phone, maybe put it in another room, to unplug from the television, even to unplug from other people and to spend time alone with the Father in his word and in his prayer, hearing from him and speaking to him. This is a difficult age to do that in, isn't it? It's hard. But I think it's always been difficult, hasn't it? I mean, I don't think anyone in the past has said, yeah, it's really easy to unplug and to spend time with Jesus. But know that if we don't, if we don't take time every day to be in God's Word and to be in prayer, do you know what we're saying to God? We're saying, you know, God, I don't need you today. I've got this on my own. And Jesus, of all people, never said that. Jesus never said, I can handle this on my own. I don't need to spend time with the Father. I don't need to pray. And if Jesus never said that, then why in the world would we ever say that? Why in the world would we think that we can get through a day without hearing from God through his word and speaking to him in prayer and seeking his help and strength? But we do. I say we because I do too. There are times where we neglect that. I pray that we would see the foolishness of that and that we would see 
and, and follow Jesus' example even in this. Well, that's the last part of the passage. Turn back, and, and I have to turn back a page. Maybe you don't, but the, back to verse 12. And let's get into the heart of the story, this main idea that Jesus is able and willing to make us clean. Luke tells us, you look at verse 1 there, while he was in one of the cities. So Jesus is in a city. It's probably near Capernaum. And when he is there, the text says, Behold. You might not see that in your version. Mine says, While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. But some of the versions translate that word, Behold. It's, it's, it's something like, Behold. See. Or, or even, Of all things. Um, or, What do you know? That might be another way to, to say it. So Luke introduces a, a surprising thought. What he's saying is he says, in a sense, while Jesus was in one of the cities, of all things, wonder of wonders, lo and behold, a leper shows up. A man full of leprosy. Leprosy, it's, it's, a, it's a word here that could refer to a wide range, actually, of, of skin diseases. We're not exactly sure what it was, if it's the modern day equivalent of what we call leprosy or, or something different, but something is, is going on here. And, and what we know for sure is that this man is an outcast, that he is, he is thrown out of society. Luke, uh, I'm sorry, Leviticus 13 and 14 give us the stipulations about what the law says about leprosy. And if you've, if you've read through that recently, we did that in our reading plan, it's just riveting. Um, no, it's, not, it's, it's a little bit difficult to get through sometimes reading about scabs and what color the hairs are that are coming out of the scabs and how to discern for the priest to discern if this is leprosy or not. So it's, it's a unique passage of Scripture. Most people get hung up in Leviticus when they're reading through their Bible. But in Leviticus 13, 45 through 46, the stipulations of the law are clear. This is what it says about leprosy. Just think about being this person. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean! Unclean! He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. This disease that he had, was it was highly contagious. And the only way that they had to deal with it was to essentially quarantine him. To, to send him outside of the camp, to send him away from the city limits so that no one would have contact with him and possibly get the disease. And Leviticus makes it clear that, that he's thrown out of society at large. He's away from his family. He's away from his, his friends. He survives only on the kindness and the charity of others. In the synagogue, he would have sat behind a wall there, not to be in contact with the other people that are there. He was untouchable. To even bump into this man was to make yourself unclean for a period of time. And so he would walk around and either, in some context, wear, wear a bell around his neck, like some sort of cattle, or would cry out whenever he saw people, he would say, unclean, so that they knew that he had leprosy and that they would be warned not to come in contact with him. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being him? I mean, maybe this man had a family had a wife and children, and suddenly he's thrown away from them. Maybe he just had you know, his, his mother and his father and his siblings, and he's no longer allowed to be a part of the family, to sit and eat meals with them, to join them for, for holidays and for gatherings. He's an outcast. So in addition to all this emotional and psychological pain, though, you have the actual physical pain. You, you Your skin is covered with this leprosy. 
again, we don't know exactly sure. We're not exactly sure what it was like, but surely he was miserable. It was it was a disfiguring condition. Even if people could touch him, they didn't want to. Dr. Luke says he was full of leprosy. So this isn't just, you know, he's got a few spots on him. This is a full-blown case of leprosy that this man is walking around with. But on top of all of this, you've got the, 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 the emotional, the psychological pain, the physical pain. And on top of all of this is the, the helplessness and the hopelessness that's associated with this. He, there is nothing to do. Nothing can be done. There's no cure. There's no treatment. There's no medication. There, there is really no hope that this disease is going to go away. All he, he's hoping that, that maybe, just, just maybe, it'll go into remission. It'll, you know, fade away, and I'll be able to rejoin society. I was listening to Alistair Begg, and he said he was this leper was a dead man walking. It's essentially what he was. He's a dead man walking. And now, Luke says, "Behold, <laughs> wonder of wonders of all things." This man comes to Jesus. Uh, you know, maybe he, he heard the news. Maybe he heard about the demons being cast out. He heard about the sick being healed. He heard about the miraculous catch of fish that we've read about. All these wonderful words that he'd said. that Jesus had come to announce the year of the Lord's favor. Whatever reason, whatever motivation, he decides to seek after Jesus. I don't know how you picture it. Maybe he was on the outskirts of town and just waiting to see if Jesus passed by, because that's where he had to live, and maybe he saw him and, and came running to him. Or maybe he, he kind of risked it all and said, this guy might be able to make me clean. I'm running into town, even though I know I'm not supposed to. Imagine him going into town. These people, the crowd sort of splitting when he comes in. He's risking it all. He's putting his hope on this encounter with Christ. And then he sees Jesus. And the text says, what's it say? It says, when he saw him, he fell on his face and begged falls on his face remember this is the same reaction we saw last week with peter isn't it what did peter do when he when he saw who jesus was in the midst of that boat with all the jumping fish around he falls down on his knees before the lord and kneels before him and as he's kneeling before the people i think i can imagine the people that were following jesus suddenly realize who this guy is and the crowd steps back literally away from him so so as not to be in contact with this leper, to not get the disease. So you can imagine everyone sort of steps back, everyone, of course, except for Jesus. And Jesus stands there, this outcast of society, a man full of this disease, kneeling at the dust in front of Jesus' feet. And it says that when he speaks, he doesn't just speak, he, he begs. He begs his face in the dust. He pleads as a man of dust. And he says, please, please, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. You know, I don't think he fully understands what he says when he calls him Lord. I don't think he has in his mind that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is God himself. But he knows that this guy is anointed with power from God. He knows something about him. He says, Lord, Master and then he says, he speaks with confidence in Jesus' ability to restore him. You see that? He says, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. He comes and he says, you can make me clean. I have complete confidence in your ability to rid me of this disease. 
you can do it. And he's right, isn't he? I mean, this is what we've seen throughout the book of Luke. Think about this. At the, at the baptism of Jesus, we see that he's anointed with power. In the temptation in the wilderness, we see that he has power over the actual temptation of Satan in his life. He shows up in Nazareth. And in Nazareth, he has power to walk through the midst of the crowd when they're seeking to throw him off the cliff. He shows up in, in Capernaum. And what's he have power over? He has power over all of the demons. He has power over all of the diseases that are there. And then he's sitting on a boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, and he has power over all of the fish and causes them all to swim into Peter's nets. This man is filled with power. So can he rid this leper of his disease? Yes. <laughs> we could say it a thousand times. Yes, he can. But will he? Isn't that the question that he asks? He says, Lord, if you will, you can. It doesn't have anything to do with can he, but will he? Is he willing? This man who's who's full of leprosy, he's broken the law to enter the city because he is 100% sure that Jesus can heal him, but he just doesn't know if he will. Now, I think that's a dilemma that we have when we come to God in prayer very often, isn't it? If you're a Christian, we come and we affirm that nothing is too hard for the Lord. Do we? I mean, we agree with that, right? Nothing is too difficult. He can do all things, but will he? He can do anything he wants, but does he want to do what we want him to do? Our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases, but is he pleased to do what we want him to do? Isn't this the tension that we come to God with in prayer? We believe fully in the power of God, but we just don't know if he's willing to do what we ask him to. I've been there. I don't know if you have. Where you say, God, I believe you can do this. I have full confidence that you can. I just don't think that you're going to. That's hard. I mean, but that's very often where we live, that we know he can. We just wonder, are you willing, Lord? I think that's a tension, really, to be honest, that we'll just have to always live with. It's a dilemma that we will face, but... And I'm, I can't give you a full answer to that. I really cannot. But let me just approach it from one angle. I think that while we we don't always know the specifics of God's will, we do know that he is always working things out for his glory and for our good. We know that with confidence. So when Paul pleads, he pleads with God. He says, Lord, remove this thorn in the flesh. Is, is God able to remove the thorn in the flesh? God says, I am able, Paul, to take that thorn in the flesh away from you, but I am not willing to do it. I could, but I'm not going to. Why? So that Paul would know that God's strength is made perfect in Paul's weakness. When David prays, he committed sin, and Bathsheba had had a son, and he prays, God, spare this son. Could God have spared the son? Of course. But does he? No. And when David sees that he won't, he, he moves on. He trusts in the goodness of God. There's so many other examples of that where God is able, but he's not willing. And it's not because God is unkind, but because he is so kind. Because he knows what is best. He knows what is good. That's a hard thing to deal with, though. But even in the midst of that, I think that this leper shows us what we should do. What do we do? Even if we don't know if he is willing, we come and we say, Lord, if you are willing, I know that you can I know that you can. We come and we fall on our face before him and we beg him. And we say, God, if you are willing, you can do this. I, I throw myself fully at your mercy, God. You can do whatever you want. And we give this over to him. Nothing is too hard for 
the Lord. And so we bring all of our requests to his feet. And we come. What's his throne? It's the throne of grace. We know that he is full of grace, that he is full of mercy. And so we come knowing that as well. And we model ourselves after Jesus. How does Jesus pray in the Garden of Gethsemane? He knows that God can do whatever he wants, but he says, not my will, but yours be done. Lord, I know that you can do this, but I want you to do what your will is. So what is this helpless leper asking for? What's he asked? Is he asking for healing? He is, but what's the way he says it? Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. You can make me clean. It's interesting, under the law, this man is is perpetually unclean. Leviticus 11 through 15, we reference that. It sheds light on this. It shows all of the different ways that a person could be made unclean, various unclean things, unclean foods, unclean bodily discharges, all of these things that would make you unclean. It talks about how you could be made unclean and then how you would be made clean by the priest later on. And all of these teachings, they carry this, this overriding theme of, of, of death and of the results of the fall and of, of separation from the people of God and the curses that had followed. And these skin diseases, they're just a picture of sin, of that even a particular picture of sin is that it starts small and you're able to hide it. And you think about Adam and Eve hiding in the garden, but then it, it just spreads. And leprosy is just this picture of what sin does. And all of these cleanliness laws, they, laws that point to death and to the fall. It's these people that are pronounced unclean. They're forbidden to be with the people of God until they are pronounced clean. And usually people would be pronounced clean maybe even after, after a day or, or, or after a week. But for a leper, they're unclean until the disease is gone. And when's the disease gone? I mean, it could be forever. So what's he asking for? What's this man saying? It's not that he just wants to be healed. He wants to be cleansed. He wants to be brought back into the fellowship of, of God's people. He's he's an outcast. He wants to be brought back into communion with God, but he is he is completely helpless to do anything about it. He cannot do anything. He's outcast and he can't do anything to get back in. He has no options but to wait until he hears about Jesus. Uh, brothers and sisters, this is this is the gospel. This is us. This man is us that we are unclean and we are unable to do anything about it. This is how Isaiah 64, 5-6 describes us in our sins. This is what it says. We have all become like one who is unclean. We have all become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf and our iniquities like the wind take us away. There is no one who calls upon your name, who rouses himself to take hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and have made us melt in the hand of our iniquities. That's who we are apart from Christ. It's, it's the dilemma that, the, that, that marvelous grace, you know that song, Marvelous Grace of Our Loving Lord, the line that says, Dark is the stain that we cannot hide. What can avail to wash it away? And we feel like there's, there's nothing. We know about stains in our house. There's lots of stains around the place. And there's some things that you can treat and you can get out, but there's some things that are there forever. That stain is never coming out. And that's what our sin 
feels like. We are we are stained. We are unclean. We are helpless to do anything about it. And because of that stain, because of the stench of our uncleanness, we are cast out from the people of God. We are unable to come into the presence of a holy and a pure God without facing his wrath. But then we hear about Jesus. And what should our response be when we hear about Jesus, about his power to heal, about his power to restore, about the fact that he's come to bring the Lord's favor? If we find our, ourselves in a state of uncleanness, then we respond as this man did. We run to Jesus and we, we fall on our face at his feet and we say, you can do it, Lord. You can make me clean. But will he? Is he willing? What does Jesus communicate? He communicates something even before he says anything, doesn't he? In the text it says that he stretched out his hand. You can almost hear the crowd gasp, can't you? That he reaches out his hand and everyone's already, you know, 50 feet away. And they're like, what is he doing? He's going, is he going to touch that man? I mean, this is a leper. Is he really going to touch him? Jesus reaches out his hand. This guy's, I mean, when was the last time that this leper was touched? Because no one's allowed to touch him. Maybe by another leper, but I, I don't imagine that that's really a loving community where they're embracing each other all the time. When was the last time that he was touched? And, and the word doesn't mean that, you know, Jesus sort of reached out his finger and tapped him. It's, it's that he, he took hold of him. I almost picture Jesus grabbing him by the, the shoulders and lifting him up off the ground and looking into his face. It takes a hold of him. He's willing. Reaches out his hand. And then that's what he says, doesn't he? He takes a hold of his of the leper. And it, it's just four words in ours. It says, I will. I will. So the question is answered, isn't it? Is he willing? I am willing. I, I can do whatever I want, and I want to heal you. I can do whatever I please, and it's my pleasure to heal you. And then it's one simple word says, be clean. And what's the text say? I will be clean. And immediately, the leprosy left him. I mean, immediately this man is restored. He is made new. He has skin as pure as the day he was born. You might even say he was born again. This is the gospel, isn't it? That in the vastness of God's love, he reaches out and he touches us. He stretches out his hand, that Jesus comes not only to become unclean in the midst of this filthy world, but, but he, in fact, takes our sins upon him, that he is willing to become unclean so that he can save us. Jesus didn't have to touch him. He could have just said, you're clean. Well, what's he do? He says, I'm willing to touch you. I'm willing to get into your situation. I'm really willing to become like you. I'm willing to become unclean so that I can make you clean. takes our sin upon himself. This is God's heart. This is, this is what we know, that God is not willing. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. Is he willing? Yes, he is willing. Listen to what Jesus says in John 6, 35-40. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me, the will of the Father. What is the will of the Father? And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing 
of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. What's the will of the Father? That anyone who comes as this leper did on their face, he's willing to make them clean. Anyone who comes in repentance and faith, he says, I will make you clean 100% of the time. I will not cast you out. If you come in repentance and faith, you will be made clean. Those that have been given to Jesus by the Father cannot be lost, and he is willing to forgive and to cleanse all who come to him and cry out, I am unclean. Jesus, my sins have made a separation between me and you. I am cast off. I'm under the penalty of death. I can't do anything. We fall at Jesus' feet. And we say, will you cleanse me? And what does he say? Stretches out his hand, touches us. He says, I will. I am willing to cleanse you. Be clean. I just would say, if you've never come to Jesus in that way, then you can come in confidence. If you recognize your uncleanness before Him, if you recognize that you have sinned and you fall on your face, it doesn't matter what or who you have been. It doesn't matter what you've done, how far you have you have sinned. Leprosy was seen as a hopeless case. And if you see yourself as a hopeless case, then Jesus says, no, I will be clean. Anyone can be made clean by Jesus. Anyone. And if you're a Christian, then that is you. That there was a time in your life where you came and you put your face in the dust and you begged and you said, God, I am unclean. Will you make me clean? And you know what he said? I will. Be clean. How? How does he do that? How can Jesus make him clean? Well, for this man, he, he gives him the full... He tells him exactly what he's supposed to do. Jesus has cleansed him, but he also needed to go to the priest. Leviticus 14 tells us uh, about how he would have made himself clean. Over the course of eight days, it involves different birds, and some birds are killed, and there's and there's blood, and blood is placed on him in different ways. And then in verses 18 through 20 of Leviticus uh, of Leviticus chapter 14, this is what it says: Then the priest, the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord. <laughs> I was just blown away when I read that this week. The priest shall offer the sin offering to make atonement for him who is to be cleansed from his uncleanness. And afterward he shall kill the burnt offering, and the priest shall offer the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar. Thus the priest shall make atonement for him, and he shall be clean. And how are you and I made clean? That the priest, the high priest, the great high priest has come, and he has made atonement for us. Hallelujah, the great high priest comes and he makes atonement through his own precious blood. If you don't have anything to read in the, in the word this afternoon, just read Hebrews 9 and 10. In Hebrews 9 and 10, it paints this picture beautifully that, that the blood and bo- of bulls and goats has no power to cleanse us from sin. So Jesus comes as the high priest and he comes and he enters into the Holy of Holies once for all and he offers not the blood of bulls and goats, but what does he offer? His own blood. He offers his blood to make atonement for us. That Jesus, he who knew no sin, he who knew no sin, became sin. He reached out and he touched us and transferred all of our sin 
to himself, and he became unclean. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might know and might become the righteousness of God in him. That's how he does it. In Christ, the new covenant, the promise that we read from Ezekiel 36 earlier, this has come true. This is what he says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses, and from all your idols I will cleanse you, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey all my rules. It makes us clean. Titus 3.5 tells us that he did it by the washing of regeneration, the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Remember, dark is the stain that we cannot hide. What can avail to wash it away? What's it say? Look, there is flowing a crimson tide, whiter than snow you may be today. We sang last week, Come You Sinners, and I love the line in there. He says, He is able, He is able, He is willing, doubt no more. Jesus is able and willing to cleanse us. And if you have never fallen on your knees, before the Father and confess that you are unclean, then I would call you to do it. It doesn't matter how unclean you are. If you come to Jesus and recognize that and fall on your face in the dust before him, he says, I will not cast you out. I will reach out my hand and I will touch you. And I will say, I am willing. Be clean. And Christian, when was the last time, when was the last time that you fell on your face like that? I'll tell you the most profitable thing I did this week. I got out of my chair and fell on my face. I was reading this, and, I, and I, it just overwhelmed me. I couldn't believe it. I, I went into this text expecting something completely different, to be totally honest with you. I had a whole different sermon already prepared in my brain. And then I read this and said, this is not what it's about. It's about the fact that I came to Jesus and fell on my face, and he said, I'm willing be clean. So here's your application. I think a few weeks ago, the application was to, to raise your hands and to look to the sun. <laughs> the application this week is to get on your face before the Father and say, I, I am astounded, God, at your grace, that you are willing. And I mean literally, if you are physically able, I want you to get on your face and put your nose in the carpet and say, God, why did you save me? I was unclean. I was helpless. I was a leper. I was an outcast from you. I had no hope in the world. And you said, I am willing to be clean. What a beautiful picture of what Jesus has done for us. Jesus is able. And Jesus is willing to make us clean. Praise him for that.